Hi, if you've not met me, my name is Stuart. I'm the leader of the church here and I'll be speaking um, this evening. What we're going to be doing tonight is um, following on from last week. We I spoke at kind of beginning of 2021. So some things I felt God was saying to me about where we're going this year um, and talked about true grit and what it meant to keep going and following God. What we're going to be doing for the next few weeks is uh, we're going to be finishing off our series we started last term. We weren't sure how it was going to go with lockdown and not lockdown and where we're going to be back into a building. Seems silly now, but we thought that might happen. Um, and so we're going to finish off with some of the few of the parables. We've got our 10th birthday coming up two weeks time. Uh, and then we're going to be starting a new series called Seven Words as we roll down to Christmas about the seven words Jesus said from the cross. So that's where we're going at the moment. And Dan's just read uh, the parable of the persistent widow. And uh, parables, as we found out, if you've been following this series along, are little stories with big ideas. They're things that Jesus spoke um, that on the surface are very straightforward stories, but they, we found that they take, contain deep spiritual truth um, for those who are seeking. Those who are not interested, it can kind of go over their head and actually have the effect of hardening people's hearts. But for those who are hearts are open to God and are seeking him, uh, they contain things from which people can learn and know more about God. And so what Dan's just read to us is the parable of the persistent widow. And the context of that, if you've got your Bible open, you can flick back uh, to uh, Luke chapter 17. And what happens is Jesus has been talking um, to his disciples, we see in verse 22 of chapter 17, uh, about his kingdom coming and him coming and then him coming again um, a second time. And this uh, parable is almost like the the final illustration of that process that he's giving to him and it's all about the fulfillment of God's kingdom and the fact that Jesus return could be delayed um, and for the guys hearing it the first time thinking well you haven't, haven't sort of Jesus hasn't died on the cross yet and risen and ascended into heaven and that waiting for his return but he was preparing for them for what was going to come he was going to die he was going to inaugurate the coming of his kingdom um, there's going to be new life available to all the gospel message will go out to the ends of the earth and then there will be this period of waiting before he returned again the kingdom would come but not in its fullness and into that context he tells this parable so the big idea of what we can look at this evening is in the face of the delay of Jesus return we are to keep praying in the delay um, of Jesus return we are to keep praying praying and what I want to look at in this story I want to look at the reason for the parable the picture of the parable then the explanation of the parable so if you've got your bibles go to chapter uh, verse 1 chapter 18 and Jesus says let's look at the reason he says and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart so Luke the author of this gospel is basically giving us a heads up at the beginning of what this parable is about right at the outset he's saying this is what's coming this is why Jesus told this parable let me let you into it and he's talking to them it says he told them who are his disciples if you look back in verse 22 previous uh, chapter he's talking to his disciples and he says that they are to always pray and the idea here is uh, of continual prayer uh, that is a habit that is a a lifestyle something that they are to do on a continual basis if you read the letter Paul wrote 1 Thessalonians he says that they are to pray without ceasing that idea of you just keep going at this it's not something you do for a season and stop or not something you do fits and starts it's a, a lifestyle you develop of prayer and it, and it says they are to pray now the question would be like what are they going to pray well in the light of what Jesus has just been talking about they're to pray your kingdom come part of the Lord's prayer um, that we looked at I was, as I was preparing this it, it was kind of a bit strange to think that this time last year we were in the girls school starting our series on the Lord's prayer uh, teach us to pray if you missed that you can catch up with that online but one of the petitions of the Lord's prayer is your kingdom 
come, that sort of that fullness of God's kingdom to come. And ultimately, it's uh, culminated in Jesus' return. So that's what they're to pray. And that, but they're not to lose heart, he says. The reason for their prayers is that they must not lose heart. They must not become discouraged or disheartened or lose spirit or, or faint or get weary or give up. The, in fact, the opposite is what um, they are to do. They are to have faith. They are to have that true grit we spoke about last year to keep persevering and to keep going. And the point of the parable is that Jesus one day will return. Even if it appears like there's a delay, there's this season. And in that period, in that meantime, we as God's people are to pray. And so the next thing um, we could find here is that there is a picture, which is part of the parable, the parable stories that have pictures that we can look at and try and understand. And this picture um, has, first of all, it has a judge in it. He said in a certain city, there was a judge. Now, what's a judge? Well, a judge was a position of authority. Uh, their role was to uphold the law. They were people who had power. They, they could make judgments. They could enforce the law, which was a position that, that carried a great weight of a responsibility. Yet you find this judge has a description about him. It says he was he didn't fear God or he didn't respect man. He was indifferent to God and people. If he didn't fear God, that meant he had no awe. He had no reverence for God. He had no respect for God, which meant that he would lack humility, knowing that his authority he had ultimately came from a higher authority, which was God. So this is what the judge would like. And he said he also doesn't respect man, which meant he just didn't simply care about them. They weren't worth his time or energy, which are two things you definitely wouldn't want in a judge. And what Luke's doing here, for those who've got eyes to see, is he's referencing back into his Gospels. If you go back to chapter 10 of the Gospel, Jesus is in a conversation with a lawyer there who knew the religious law. And the lawyer tried to sort of challenge him and said, how do you sum up the law? And Jesus turned the question around and goes, well, what would you say? How would you sum up the whole law that we read in our Bibles? And he said, well, you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and you would love your neighbour as yourself and Jesus says to him you've got it right that's it that's the core of the law and what Luke's putting down here is this judge failed on both of those he did not love the Lord his God and he did not love people which meant he'd have no desire for fairness or justice he'd have no hatred of evil and he'd have no love or care for his fellow man that they would receive judges justice under his kind of authority so this was not a good judge. And then the second character um, Jesus introduces is the widow. He said there was a widow in that city. Now, the widow was a picture um, of someone who represented the needy, uh, the helpless, the poor, the oppressed, the powerless, the vulnerable. Um, at that time, if someone was a widow, a lady was a widow, their husband would have died. And what would have happened at that point is that they'd have lost their income and uh, their security. There'd be no welfare state as we understand it. Uh, they wouldn't have been able to earn because that would have all gone through uh, the male in the family. And so they would have been left destitute. If you've ever read the book of Ruth, we studied at a church a couple of years ago, you'll see that in Ruth was a widow and kind of the problems that brought and how God redeemed her in that. So this lady would have had no money. Uh, and so she wouldn't have been able to hire a solicitor or an advocate to stand before the judge for her. She wouldn't even have any money to even try and bribe the judge, which could have happened at the time. And the result means uh, that she was insignificant in the eyes of the judge and she would have had um, 
Mel Hope before him, and she stands in complete opposite to the judge. The judge had power, authority, status, position, wealth, and the widow had none of those. And what we find there, it says that she kept coming to him saying, give me justice. So something has transpired in this lady's life where a great injustice has been done against her by an unnamed adversary. And she's coming to the judge and saying, this has happened against me. This is wrong. Can you rule on it in my favor? And coming to a judge, that should have worked for her. The law should have been on her side because under the Old Testament, the widow was a person who was specifically uh, told in the law to be looked after. She was one of the people who would have been classed as the reason the law is here is to protect people like this so that we look after them. God made stipulations that the poor and the widows and the aliens, uh, foreigners who came into land were looked after and they weren't exploited. So she's suffering justice. She comes to the judge. You should know the law and know that she finds justice. But it says she didn't. It says she didn't get any justice. It says, give me justice for my average. She said she had to keep coming. So she was obviously a woman of initiative and took responsibility for actions. But she was coming saying, God, give me justice. Give me justice. And the judge was having none of it. He didn't want to uphold it. And then it says you get the decision. Jesus carries on. And he says, well, he refused to give this woman justice, this widow justice. But then. It comes to a point where he says, he described himself, he says, uh, I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this woman keeps bothering me. And so actually, ultimately, he does give her justice, but the reasoning he does it is absolutely appalling. He's basically giving her justice because it's bothering him, it's wearing him down, which is a terrible motive um, to give someone justice. It is selfish, self-centered, it lacks compassion and mercy and goodness and righteousness. He's basically saying, because this widow keeps coming and is a drain on me and making my life difficult, the language the scholars tell us there is this woman keeps coming and it's almost like, um, the language is like a boxer um, pummeling an opponent. And it's like this woman has kept coming and she has pummeled me and beaten me down with her words. And because I'm so overwhelmed by it, I would just give her the justice she wants, not the justice she deserves because she's in the right and she's been wronged by her enemy. No, no, it's just to get her off my back, to get her away from me, to make my life a little um, easier than it is now that's what this woman does and so we have a judge who's powerful and strong but doesn't care about anyone we've got the widow who's had injustice against her but she keeps coming and ultimately she gets what she needs she gets what is right she gets what she uh, deserves out of it which is the ruling going in her favor and her adversary being punished as a result and then Jesus goes on in verses six to eight he explains it and it says, and the Lord said, and so Luke is just kind of putting a point there and saying, actually, this is an authoritative thing. He's referring to Jesus as the Lord. So Jesus is in that position. Actually, what he's going to do, how he's going to explain this is important for us to understand. And Jesus highlights the unworthy character, uh, the unworthy character of the judge and how bad he was. It says he was unrighteous. And then he puts a few questions before us. There are three questions as part of his explanation, which provoke answers in us as the hero. And the first question he says there, if you're taking notes, I want to just kind of mark this in your Bible. It says, and will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day or night? 
And the question is framed in such a way that it would lead to a positive answer. Of course, God will give justice to his elect. It's an argument saying God is going to do this. Of course, as we know the nature and character of God, of course, he will ultimately give justice to his elect. Um, and so what we got is the picture here. We've got the picture of an unjust judge who eventually yielded to the continuous cries of this woman that beat him down, uh, this woman who was a stranger to him, um, but ultimately she got vindication. And Jesus is kind of making this point that the reality, that's just a picture, the reality is we have God, who is a just and loving father that he's taught his disciples about. He hears the cries of his chosen people who cry to him day and night, and he will give justice he will ultimately come to their rescue, come to their salvation. He will bring judgment on his enemies. If you've read uh, the book of Esther, we read that recently, that, that is the whole point of the book. God will come and save his people. And even those who try and attack his people, they will ultimately come to nothing. And Jesus is saying, God is like that. Is not God going to come and save his people and listen to them and bring them justice? And the answer is, of course he is. And then Jesus throws in a second question. Will he delay over them? Well, that's framed in such a way to give the negative answer. No, of course he won't delay. God will come. He will come and aid his people when they suffer. He will come and meet them. No one's going to miss out. No one's going to kind of be, uh, be kind of lost in this. God is going to come and do this. And Jesus says, I tell you this, which it underlines the truthfulness of what Jesus is saying. He will do this. He will bring justice. He will bring um, what his people need. And he will save. And he said, he'll do it speedily. As in shortly, there is an expectant hope of what God is going to do for his people. And then, then the final part of this explanation is the third question where Jesus says, when he comes back, will he find faith on the earth? Now, this question is kind of an open-ended question, and it comes, it brings us back to the reason um, and kind of the nature of these parables, which is that when Jesus told them, he was trying to get a point across, but they ultimately ended up being pushed back on the listener for them to answer for themselves. So for Jesus, originally talking, it was to his disciples, but for us here now reading this, 2,000 years later, this is a question we need to answer ourselves. When the Son of Man returns, is he going to find faith on the earth? There is an expectation for the hearers of this parable to take it upon themselves. On one hand, we have the promise of God saying that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. On the other hand, we have the fact that we as his followers need to be active in following him and persevere and keep going and not quit. And Jesus' final question kind of lands the point saying, how are you going to do with this? Is the son, when the Son of Man comes, is he going to find faith on the earth? And how would that faith be expressed? Well, the, prayer, the, the parable itself is all about persistent prayer and perseverance in prayer. Are God's people, are God's chosen going to remain faithful in prayer until he returns? Are God's people going to be keep going in this area? Or are they going to give up and lose heart? It said in verse one, are they going to get discouraged? Are they going to faint? Are they going to give up on it and kind of maybe just coast, try and coast through life following Jesus? Or are they going to keep going? Are they going to dig in? Are they going to keep praying? Are they going to show that true grit in what it means to follow Jesus and be people, uh, men and women of prayer. And like so many of the parables that Jesus tells, he just leaves it hanging at the end. It's just 
is he going to come back and find faith? And that's the end of it. That's the stop. What's what happens? And so for us here listening now, we've got to make some decisions for ourselves. We've got to ask, well, what does that mean for us? So let's just kind of look at two things now. Um, what can we learn from this? And then what can we do about it? Well, there's three things I want to look at that we can kind of highlight from this for us now that we can take away as things that we can learn from this parable. The first one is that as God's chosen people, we too will face injustice. As God's chosen people, we too will face injustice. The parable reminds us that God's people will be uh, the victims of unjust actions. Like the widow in the story, things will happen that um, are unjust and unfair uh, and difficult. We will face trial and suffering and hardship and injustice and persecution. Sometimes these are the products of just living in a fallen and broken, sin-sick world and things just kind of happen around them. Sometimes these things happen that are the product of our own sin, mistakes we make, things we do that have consequences. Sometimes they are the product of the sins of others, things that have happened that others have done that have knock-on consequences in our life. Sometimes they are the product of focused attacks on us because we are followers of Jesus and there is an enemy who hates us and wants to destroy us. Either way, whatever it is, we will face difficulty and hardships and suffering and injustice. And Jesus, to his credit, never promised us an easy life. Anyone who preaches from God's word and says Jesus wants you to have it easy is lying to you. They are selling you a false gospel. Jesus himself never had it easy. And if you check the life of his followers, they didn't have it easy either. Many of them suffered some horrific ways. And if you go back through church history over the last couple of thousand years, you'll find men and women trying to stay faithful to Jesus who find who come under all sorts of pressure and trial and suffering. And the gospel says and the, the rise of the New Testament says that we should not be surprised when this happens to us. We should not be caught out. We shouldn't think, oh, my goodness, how is God letting this happen? God said it's going to happen. Get ready for it. You will face difficulty and trial and hardship and persecution. The second thing that we can learn for this from this is that God is a loving father, not a mean judge. God is a loving father, not a mean judge. This parable Jesus has told here is kind of the opposite of the reality. That's the way it's been framed. The judge is nothing like our heavenly father. The judge in the story is distant he is indifferent, he is impersonal, he is unkind, he is unloving, he is uncaring, he is unrighteous, unjust, he ignores the cries of pain from those who need it, uh, he is selfish, ungracious, cold and hard. God the Father, however, is present with us by spirit, he is personal, he is loving, he is gracious, he is kind, he is good, he is attentive, he is trustworthy, he is truthful, he hears our cries, he brings comfort and strength, he is compassionate, faithful and merciful. And so often we can view God like the judge. So often we can put that picture that Jesus said and, and put it on top of God and say, God's like that. And this can be based on our own experiences uh, we all have earthly fathers 
And we all have experiences with our earthly fathers. Some have good experiences. Some have so-so experiences. Some have very poor, bad, painful experiences. And whatever they are, we tend to kind of then put them onto God when we hear that God is um, a father. And what we need to do is we need to relook at what the Bible says about it and how God acts in there. And actually, God is nothing like that judge. He is loving, patient, kind, gracious. He loves you. He is for you. We can sometimes um, look at judge, uh, sorry, God in a negative way, like the judge, because we sometimes, it just sometimes sounds too good to be true. There's a, there's a father in heaven. He loves me. Why would he love me? What have I done to this love? And sometimes we can beat ourselves up and think, well, I know my own shortcomings. I know kind of what I've done. I know what I'm like. Am I actually worthy of that love? And I just say to you, yes, God loves you. He is for you. He wants you. He has chosen to put his love upon you. He is, he, is, he is pursuing you and he wants to be in relationship with you and he wants to know how much he cares for you and he listens to you. And whatever our personal experiences and whatever they are, we need to make sure they're submitted to what the Bible says. And we are to look on God, not like that judge, but actually as a perfect, loving, heavenly father. The third thing that we can learn from this is that Jesus is coming back so don't give up jesus is coming back so don't give up jesus was telling this parable for the interval between his ascension after his death on the cross his resurrection his ascension, and his his subsequent return there is there is this this period this now and not yet the kind of the kingdom's come hasn't come in its fullness we're living the bible calls this the last days this kind of period of time and jesus tells it to say in light of this in light of this waiting for my return how are you going to respond and this parable teaches the proper response in the waiting of jesus return like the widow who kept going back who kept going back who kept going back god's people are to persevere in faith god's people are to show that true grip by just keeping going and not giving up and not losing heart um this morning the kids and you started a new series called hope is alive and because hope is alive we are to keep going we are to keep pursuing after god we are to keep calling on his name we are to keep living in hope and expectation that jesus is coming back because he rose from the dead he ascended to heaven he is currently seated in heaven waiting for that day when he returns and also this parable teaches that there is a connection between perseverance and prayer. Perseverance in faith is made possible by persistent prayer. A lot of peace there. Perseverance in faith is made possible by persistent prayer. How do you persevere in faith? How do you keep going? How do you show that true grit? You keep praying. You keep praying like that widow. You just keep going. You just keep going. You don't give up. You don't lose heart. It said at the beginning, that's what we're to do. And when Jesus returns, which one day he will, he will bring the kingdom in in his fullness and all wrongs will be righted. And the true righteous judge will rule and reign over everything. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess and everything will be made right. All the enemies will be defeated and put under his feet and his righteousness and justice will reign forever. God's justice will prevail. And in the meantime, we are to take the call seriously and be firm in our faithfulness and anticipation uh, of what's coming. And that is expressed through our persistent prayer to him.
So what can we do? Seeing what we can learn, what can we do here and now? What do we take away uh, from this time? Well, two groups. If you are listening, you're on this call and you're not a believer, uh, you're not a follower of Jesus, um, there's a few things I just want you to know and to think about. Number one, there is a Father in heaven who loves you and wants to know you. There is a heavenly Father who loves you and wants to know you, and he loves you with an everlasting, eternal love. He has demonstrated this love when he, uh, God came to earth as Jesus Christ. We have God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. He lived uh, on earth. He lived a perfect life. He died um, a death on a cross. He rose from death victorious. Um, he then ascended into heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit to be with his church, God the Holy Spirit. And he's calling you now to turn from living your life your own way. That's just the Bible word there's repent. It just means turn around, go the other way. Repent of your sin, all the things you've done that offend him, that stand before him. Put your faith and trust in him. Join him. Come in, in his family. Join the church. Be part of his kingdom. Get to know him as your father in heaven, Jesus, your savior, the Holy Spirit as your constant companion throughout this life. If you don't know Jesus today, I want you to think about that. I want you to come to know him for yourself. We'd love if you've got questions, get in touch with us. We'd love to chat with you. We'd love to follow up with you on this. What about if you're a believer, if you're a Christian, most of us on the call are? Well, for us as a Christian, the parable is pretty clear. As God people, we are to pray. We are to pray persistently. We are to pray faithfully. We are to pray, Lord, your kingdom come. And there's no getting around this. God's people are people who pray. And we are people who pray with regularity, consistency, to keep going that, to not give up, to not lose heart. And like any relationship requires communication, our relationship with God requires communication. And so we come in and we talk to him in prayer. And this can be some onerous burden um, that is heavy and tiresome, like some terrible duty we have to fulfill. This is a relationship. And so it should be a joy in our heart as we're full of the spirit. We come to the creator of heaven of earth who knows us, who knows us personally, who, who loves us, who is for us. And we come and we speak to him empowered by the Holy Spirit to talk to him, to have relationships with him, to have communion with him, to know that everlasting love. So let me ask you a couple of questions. A couple of questions and then we'll end. First one, first question is, what is your view of God? What is your view of God? Does it line up with what the Bible says? Because our view of God is the foundation for prayer. And like in a building, if the foundations are bad, everything else is thrown off. If you don't get the foundations right, whatever you build on the top will be prone to collapse. And the bigger the building, the more dangerous that collapse can be. And if you don't have a correct view of God, then you need to adjust it so everything else works out. When we did this um, series last year, when we did the Lord's Prayer, Teach Us to Pray, we started out by looking at Father. That was the first word Jesus said. Jesus says, when you pray, start Father. And we looked at what that meant. And maybe it would be good to go back and review that, re-listen to that sermon, get it right, that actually you look at God as a loving Father, not as the judge who was cruel and distant, but actually God as a Father who loves you, is in for you, and he is present, and he's with you, and he wants to know you. 
So that question is, what's your view of God like? Is, is there some calibration that needs to happen? Is there some things you need to reject, maybe influenced by certain situations in your own life, experiences you've had? You need to kind of bring yourself back. Are there things that you've kind of let go? Are there, are there things you've let come in, particularly in the light of this current situation? Well, we've been suffering for a long season. It just hasn't been like uh, how we want it. We've had ups and then it suddenly comes downs afterwards, crashes and the downs seem to be more than the ups and we're still kind of battling with what it looks like. Do you need to come back and remind yourself who God the Father is? Second question. How's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? And what I want to do out of this, I want to encourage you to build a consistent life of prayer a consistent life of prayer like the widow who just kept coming back um, to the judge build a consistent life of prayer what about prayer in your personal life well i recommend and i encourage and we encourage you to have a daily time of reading your bible and praying reading your bible and praying if you want to prayer the best thing is to go through the lord's prayer that's a great way to start go through that use that as a model last year we did uh, the teachers to pray series we did the prayer course uh, we had the the book how to pray just to help you if you want to go back and review some of those things build in a plan talk to people in your life group say how do you do it tell me how you do it and i'll see if i can learn from you maybe there's something i can take something i can try about how to pray what about reading your bible regularly we've got a wonderful opportunity with what Matt's put out uh, to the group leaders and the groups about from Christmas to the cross. So we're going to read through Luke's gospel between now and Easter, a couple of chapters a week. Uh, we're going to do it with our boys. I'm going to do it. Just be reading through the gospel as we head towards the Easter time, get that kind of full story. And Luke's gospel is great for that because it starts kind of we've got the birth of Jesus and all the way through to his death and resurrection. Why not get into that? If you're not sure, try that. Get reading um, the gospel of Jesus. Pray throughout the day. You can have some time in the morning. It's good to have focus time, but it's good just to remember God throughout the day, praying to him, bringing things to him, just how you're doing, talking about your day, talking about the things you're going on, the struggles, the, the highs uh, and the lows. Um, many of you are home learning with kids at the moment. Good opportunities to pray there, pray for them, pray for you. Everything else is good. Practice playing your prayers out loud. Practice praying. It takes practice to do it. I know some of you followers of Jesus, but just don't want to pray out loud. Take time to do it. Get better at it. Learn it as a skill that you can just talk to God like I'm talking to you out now. Start farther and then just go from there. What about worship? Worship is a wonderful way to interact with God and to cry out to him in praise and bring your things before him. Listen to the songs that are being put out on kind of our emails and other things. The songs that we sing as the worship time that Matt and Phil bring to us. Find them on YouTube. Play them. Sing along. Talk to others about how they did this. Learn from them in this process. What about praying with others? Prayer, I, I firmly believe, is a community activity. We do it on our own, but I think we should also do it with others. Make an opportunity. Every time you connect with people, pray with them. If there's another believer and you're going there and you're dropping stuff off on the driveway, you're going for the walks, kind of one person, one person, make sure you have an opportunity just to pray. Whenever you meet, pray. Though. When you do a call like this, with your life groups or, or whatever, pray together, make that a priority, build that into what you're doing, make it a persistent habit. What about as a church family? Well, we do church of prayer every three weeks, we gather together and we are having fantastic times of people coming together, we worship, we have things, we pray, we break into small rooms, we come back, we all pray together, we do a whole host of things. And I believe there is such a power in the expression of God's people coming together and pray. 
prioritize this put it in your diary there are some of you in this church you've literally never been to one of our prayer times why not what on earth are you doing it will do you good it will feed your soul darling of the call come join us come pray with us come follow what jesus says don't give up don't let it hang don't let any of the air of these life fall away do not lose heart keep going keep coming to your father in heaven be persistent in prayer okay we're gonna have seen the time we're gonna have to finish now time's pressing and so i just want to lead us all in a time of prayer now for us uh, maybe you want to just put down anything that was in your hand as distraction if you can and kind of just get comfortable whether you're standing or sitting and i just want to talk to you about prayer maybe you want to close your eyes maybe you want to close your eyes and it just that's good to lessen distractions if you can things around you maybe you want to open your hands and i want to just take you through a couple of things the first one is about your view of god as father and we all have this and depending on personal experiences and situations it will be kind of oscillating somewhere between that judge and the true one of him as a father and i just want to take a moment now are there have things crept into your life into your view of god where you view him more like the judge than a loving heavenly father are some of the things that are going on in our world that we've experienced over the last 12 months and situations in there or even things that come back for are there things that you've said do you know what because of that i view god like that i view him as mean or vindictive or getting his own back or distant or or something and if you know there are you're probably thinking about them now because god the holy spirit's good like that he'll just remind you of those things and i want to just you to take the opportunity now to bring it before god as your loving heavenly father and repent of it which means turn around and say, I recognize that action's wrong. I recognize that thinking pattern's wrong and ask for him for his forgiveness, for the Holy Spirit to come cleanse you, which he was said he'll do, and then to walk in new thinking as God, as a loving heavenly father. So if I just kind of wait, I'll give you a minute or so just to do some business with the Lord on that one. Okay, um, can I just make a suggestion to you that if you know you've had to do a little business with God and you know there's some things you had to deal with there, can I suggest that you tell someone? Just uh, last week when we did the trigger, we talked about honesty. And one of the things we said about being honest, you have to be honest with yourself, you have to be honest with God, but it's good to be honest with others as well. Maybe um, there's someone there that you thought of just to drop them a line saying, yeah, there was just, just so you've, shared it with someone because there is power in that to say this is kind of where i was and i realized this happened but now i've kind of i've gone over here i said that the last thing i'd love us to do is to uh to pray like the persistent widow to pray and to bring a request to god i i don't know what if i said to you right now what's the one thing you'd like prayer for what's the one thing you'd like to bring before your heavenly father in light of our current situation i don't know what it is but you know what it is now. It's kind of the first thing that sort of comes into your mind, the Holy Spirit's reminder. you, I just want you to pray for that. Let's bring it before God. And you might say, well, I've brought it before God before. And you think, yes, we just read a parable about that. Let's do it again. So whatever it is and whatever that situation is, we're just going to spend a few moments 
praying and crying out to God for what that is. And then I can bring it together um, at the end. And so we'll do something that we do on our prayer meetings, for those of you who know. So could you all unmute yourself? Or can we do a mass on you? I don't know if the host can do that, which means this is dangerous now because if you cough, everyone can hear you. <laughs> but what we're going to do, everyone unmute yourself, is I'm going to say three, two, one, and we'll all just pray and you just bring before God what's on your heart. I'll give you about a minute or until it gets quiet or something. And you just cry out to God for your thing. It could be the kids with home learning. It could be health. It could be work. It could be relationships. It could be financial issues. It could be just anything. Corona sucks. Take it away, Lord. <laughs> 